Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Dear Ruby podcast, a podcast that aims to answer all of your personal finance questions. Whether they be about what's happening during COVID-19, which we have been laser focused on since the pandemic started. But as we move through the pandemic and we get back to work and we start to get back to a little bit of our new normal, our regular lives as we knew them before, of course, all those same questions start to come up. How much should I be saving for retirement? How much should I be putting into my emergency fund? And for a lot of people who have lived through this pandemic and lost their jobs and have felt that, you know, their economic future was uncertain, we've all been living through it, but meaning who have been affected by it, those financial goals are probably top of mind because we now know what it feels like. If you don't have an emergency fund and a big emergency happens like a pandemic, where do you go? And even though the pandemic is affecting the globe, we have personal financial emergencies all the time. I'm joined by my co-host, Bo Humphreys. Bo, how are you doing today? I heard that we could possibly be interrupted by a little person just weighing... 30 pounds, is it, around? He's about 25 probably now. Okay, 25. Um, so That's a big boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the monitor. He's uh, he's on his way to sleep. It's almost there. Yesterday, he slept for three hours. I just can't believe it. So if yesterday's any indication, he'll wake up in five minutes. <laughs> uh, because that's how it works. Whenever you expect it to be like, oh, yeah, he sleeps every day at this exact time for this length of time, it's going to change the next day. Or he's just going to be like, I'm sweaty and wake up, or he's going to pee the bed, and something's going to make me have to run out of this recording. That's what today is about. My wife is uh, uh, she's working at the hospital, and I'm at home. Yeah, so today we wanted to focus on parenting during the pandemic, which we know has been uh, extremely hard for moms and dads, uh, but more so for moms, because we've been hearing stories anecdotally of moms just picking up um, a lot of the extra work when it comes to raising children and then still doing their full-time jobs. And in some cases, moms are saying it's just impossible. I read a great article last weekend in the Globe and Mail. Many moms have just said, I'm just not, I'm just going to quit my job for now and look for a new one after the pandemic's over. So I wanted to invite uh, someone that could speak to that. And my friend Shannon Lee Simmons has very graciously offered us her time, even though she's with both her kids, which kind of highlights uh, this whole situation. Shannon, just to give a quick uh, bio of who Shannon is, if you don't know her, she is the founder of New School of Finance. She's a certified financial planner, chartered investment manager, and of course, media personality on CBC and Maryland. Dennis show, just to name a few, and the author and founder of uh, the first one was Worry Free Money, and number two, no, you have a second book. Yeah, Living Debt Free was the second one. So is it book, book, kid, book, kid? Is that kind of how it goes? It happened or? at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it just, is, it, is it necessary? I like no. if you wanted to write another book, would you have to have another kid? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dear Ruby. We're really excited. You're our first guest. It's just usually Bo and I having a good it's conversation true. about what's going on in the world when it comes to finance. So it's uh, nice to have a third person with us today. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here, even though I, uh, at some point you may hear my kids squawk. So it's just a na- the nature of the beast right now. Tell the listeners a little bit about the conversation we had this morning when I was trying to convince you, no, please come on, because this is exactly what we're talking about, sort of how your morning fell apart 
I think it's pretty typical of uh, a lot of parents right now during the pandemic. That's my biggest struggle with trying to have a business and work during this with the kids at home with no childcare is that my husband, we're also, we're both lucky enough to work, but both of, both of us have uh, intense jobs and his tends to change frequently last minute is really unpredictable. And so, you know, something, something like, changing a meeting for 25 people is a lot harder than me changing it with like my one client or something. So I always end up doing this like little dance and, you know, he feels so guilty and terrible about that, but I mean, we have to make it work. And so this morning is just a typical example of like, actually this was a family, a family issue that my, my husband had to tend to. So he had to actually leave. So he's not physically here right now. So that, so he was like, yeah, absolutely do the interview. I'll watch the kids, yada, yada. And then he's like, Oh my God, I have to go. And I was like, that's okay. I'll just make it work. And so a lot of like our motto for this whole pandemic between the two of us has just been like, we'll just, you just make it work. You just make it work. And I feel like because I run my own business, I have a lot more flexibility. And so I've been exercising that, but like each, you know, each moment is fine. But the sum of its parts is that my career is completely on hold right now. That's what's happening. So a lot of women are feeling exactly like you. I'm feeling that way as well. I I often tell my husband I'm working in the folds of his schedule. So when he's got time uh, to take an hour break is when I have to sort of, and being creative, which you are as well, Shannon, it's really hard to just turn that on. Sometimes you got to sit and sort of think, and what are you going to write? And what are we going to, what, what, how can we move this story forward? And all of that takes time, quiet time that we never seem to get that me time. I'm sure you're feeling the same way with, with the lack of me time and the lack of being able to think big, really. Yeah, absolutely. There's my, there's my 10 month old. Absolutely. I find, I think you just hit the nail on the head. So a lot of my job is not just producing or giving financial advice. A lot of it is thinking and strategy and bigger pieces where I feel like I've been in survival mode for for, since the start of the pandemic. And, um, you know, do you remember in the early days of having an infant when you were like proud of yourself for showering, like, and like, wow, I actually showered today. Like what a day I, I actually feel this is hearkening back to that level of hitting the ground running all day. And I love your line. I, my, career is happening in the folds of your schedule that is I, that is really hitting home for me as something that I feel every day it's really hard and and I I it's frustrating it's really frustrating and at the same time I don't know what there's no other option so um I, I do find the one silver lining here has been that um with all this and through all this my clients people that have been interviewing me have been very understanding of things that beforehand would be considered just outright unprofessional like just straight up something I would never have done or, or never have showed up looking a certain way or acting a certain way. So I think everyone's, everyone's trying to be there for each other and be kind because it's so hard for everybody right now. Well, we're talking a lot about the women, woman's experience being a mother. You're a new dad. And I know that you are also making sacrifices uh, when it comes to getting your work done. In fact, we tape this on Sundays because it's the only day you and I have free uh, at the same time. Normally, we would pick like a nice weekday, you know, like an hour here or there, but it's just impossible. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. Here's what's here's what's lucky about my situation is as soon as uh, daycare uh, ended uh, in the middle of March, uh, Kayla's uh, medical school uh, was was pulled out of the the clinic setting. Right, so she got sent home as well. But she started up about a month later doing online medical school and still had a full day with the baby, right? 
So that was, she managed that and she, she, we, we checked in a lot and she said she she was all right. Whenever I was available, like lunchtime or, you know, after work, I, I, I did what I could. Right. But I'm in a job where I am meeting with people all day as part of their statutory counseling for bankruptcy and, and consumer proposal. Right. So I need to be available uh, for them. I, I, I don't think it would be acceptable to have the baby uh, there and it would be a less of, I, I it would be hard to try to negotiate that or harder and and but I'm speaking from the, the point of someone who maybe doesn't have to do that and and that's what's happening a lot I think right um, it, it, we just flipped it around and that Kayla's back in medical school and she's been she's worked the last three days all day so good I'm available on the weekend in the uh, during the week though we have daycare daycare kind of solves a lot of uh, issues uh, Shannon, I'm curious, uh, is that something that uh, is, I know, 10 months, so that's when we started uh, with Henry. Is it something that's on the uh, I don't know that you? get a spot. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, you're, yeah, in, you're in Toronto, that's, right? So that, that's the issue right now is that with the, with the pandemic, our, like, where we would normally go, they've told us that they just are, they can't guarantee because they're doing half capacity right now. They're not, I mean, we haven't even gotten our spot back in preschool for my um, toddler yet, and so not toddler, my preschooler. Okay. Um, so he, we're not sure what is even going to happen to him. Like we don't, we don't know. Um, so I'm kind of waiting it out to see what happens until September. I feel like after September, I have to, uh, I have to figure out another plan. And the bigger issue too for us is that my family doesn't live here. So even when people started bubbling up mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with family members. Uh, my yep. family's all in Burlington, which is not far. And I have to tell you, uh, what I've been doing to survive is driving to Burlington for the day with the, the whole crew and going to my mom's house and then going upstairs while she takes the boys downstairs. So we do two field trips a week to Burlington. So, and then I stack those I stack those days like back to back. Um, and it's an exhausting day. But that's been really great in the last like five weeks um, to be able to do that. Uh, I've been really grateful for it. And that's super lucky too that like, I mean, it's a, it's only a 45, 50 minute drive, right? And But that's how desperate it is. It's like I'm driving two hours a day of commuting to, for childcare. <laughs> and the stats, what we're talking about right now, the statistics are there to prove that this pandemic has been harder on women. This week, mm-hmm. RBC came out with a report. They uh, crit- critically looked at the employment numbers uh, from StatsCan, the latest employment numbers, and they said that participation of women in the workforce has dropped to its lowest level in 30 years. So a lot of women taking long leaves of absence, quitting their job outright, or maybe like me, I'm a freelancer, just not saying yes to freelance work because you simply don't have the time or the capacity to do it in a good way. I know I've taken on a couple of contracts and I just felt like I have not produced the same kind of work that I would have in a normal situation. And I haven't been criticized for it, but at the same time, you feel like, are they going to hire me ever again? Because I don't think what I gave them was all that was not as good of a product as normally would produce. And so some women are just saying, I'd rather not do it that way. I'd rather just get out of the workforce, take care of, you know, whatever I need to do at home. And then once things get back to normal, get back in the workforce. So the numbers are there. The numbers say that, you know, women are just um, taking the the more brunt. We often hear of this called a she session where, you know, it's not just a recession, it's more affecting women. Uh, a lot of jobs that women do in the retail sector, hospitality sector have been have been more affected than any other jobs. A lot of other male dominated fields, they've been able to work from home and make it happen. And so um, 
yeah, so I think that uh, I think that this is for the next uh, year or so we're going to see this uh, continue with women being more effective. I can effective. tell you too, um, like over the course of the pandemic, I've had so many conversations with clients because uh, it also started over tax season. Um, so I had like over 150 calls with clients during that like peak lockdown. So I know that across all different industries, because I have a really diverse group of um, of people that work in all different industries. Everyone's nervous about what this means for like what you're just, you're nailing it. Like, okay, if I do take time out, am I going to be able to, to like go back in at where I was before? And the sole proprietors and freelancers I find are, t- are being hurt, like, they, they feel it immediately the most because they're just not taking on extra work. So it's financially a hit too, right? So it's like, not even like you're, you're producing mm-hmm. a lower level or just calling it in for a while. It's like, well, if I don't say yes to that contract or I don't say yes to that gig, well, what's my time worth right now? And the questions about like mm-hmm. the the budgeting and the money piece around, um, can I actually afford to like take time out right now? And and I've been working with so many parents on that exact question. Like how long can we last like this until we have to like figure something else out or I have to try or we have to, or, or we can wait until things come back online or we get a spot or whatever it is. Right. And so it's really interesting that like the economy, I don't feel like you can fully start the economy without ch- without proper childcare in school. I, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in September. Well, how do you even make help them with make those calculations, uh, Shannon? Oh. If if you we don't know the future, yeah, we do micro timelines. So the next few weeks, the next month until September, yeah, yeah. and yeah. so again, now we're closing in on the last six weeks. But I've been doing this since March. And so a lot, even in March, we said, you know, let's just plan this and make sure that you can get through to the end of August and we'll know more by then. And so most people have been dealing with those really small time horizons and we know what we can kind of count on, whether it was the the Canadian emergency response benefit or, or what if I only took this much work or those kinds of like microcosm, like budgets or plans. And then for a lot of families, even without the childcare expense, they're still barely breaking even. So the goal has really just been don't go into debt. Like that's that for this amount of time, if you can just stay afloat and not save anything, that's totally fine, but just not go into debt, then I think that that's a win. That's exactly what we've been talking about on Dear Ruby as well, is that, you know, you, you said it before, we're in survival mode and we've talked a lot about just improve your cash flow situation. Don't worry about the RSP or the emergency fund. All of that is on hold. If you can defer your mortgage and bring your insurance premiums down and ask your utility companies to get a break, all those things are just going to make it you able to go out there and buy groceries and buy everyday items. And so that you don't have to go to the credit card, you don't have to go to the line of credit. And yeah, it's going to cost you to defer that mortgage, but that you can manage in a more normal situation uh, where your salary isn't affected and you feel a lot more comfortable with your finances. Before we continue, I, I just wanted to point out, uh, like, I don't know if everyone realizes what it's like to, ha- to have a baby under the age of one in your possession while you're doing anything. They constantly need something. It's not like Shannon can just be put the baby like in a box and just stay there, baby, right? Yeah, when the TV baby's show. not even walking yet, you're holding the baby right now. Yeah. Right, well, because the baby, yes, yeah, or put him on, yeah, 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 put him on the ground. But in five seconds, he's gonna need something else, right? So, uh, what's the baby's name, by the way? Teddy. I love oh, it. That's a nice name. Is that I a nickname, or is that know. the is that his is that his given name, or is it, is it Theodore? 
No, he's he's Edward. He's named after my grandfather. Um, oh, Eddie. Yeah. I thought I heard Teddy. Sorry. No, no, no. But Teddy. It is Teddy, which is yeah, yeah. short for oh, Edward as well. But yeah. So that's his name. And, oh. and it's funny because my older son's name was William, but we call him Billy. So we have Bill and Ted. And it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> and is it an excellent <laughs> adventure or not? 100%. <laughs> 100%. 100%. For our audience, because uh, they can't see us, but you know we're on a screen, we're all seeing each other, um, and Shanna is just constantly turning her head, having to look back at the baby. And so, if you hear yeah. her voice fade in and out, that's what's happening, and that's parenting in a pandemic. I mean, normally we would have a situation where someone would be taking care of the kids, and we could sit and have this very serious conversation about money and finance and saving. But this is what it is. I, you know, and I like you, I, a lot of places I work for are very forgiving of the screaming kids and, you know, oh, you got to put this Zoom call on hold while I go and wipe a butt. Literally, yeah. that's what I have to do, right? Yeah. And like, what else can you do, right? You got to make it happen. Otherwise, I'll sit there for half an hour. Let's move on to a couple of stories. The federal wage subsidy has been extended to the end of the year and more businesses are now able to access it. So the federal government recognizing that, you know, the, the limits that they had put in place before that you have to have at least a 30% drop in revenue. That's the only way you can access it. Now they're uh, saying that anyone affected by COVID-19, any business affected by COVID-19 can take care, can take advantage of this wage subsidy. I, we've been talking a lot about subsidies and benefits that the federal government's made available. I have been impressed. I've got to say, uh, with all the programs that have come out, and I think that that's uh, you know a testament to how well we're going to do for the recovery. What's your reaction, uh, uh, Shannon? Just do you think the wage subsidy is the way to go to get people encouraged to get back into the workforce? I know it's not a personal finance question, more of an economics question, but you know, do you think this is the best way for us to kind of stay on track? Is to to get employers to ask their employees to come back and then take advantage of this wage subsidy, or should they stay on CERB? Would that be better? If we're looking at recovery, I think what we need it to have to recover is like. I mean, businesses need to be open. People need to be working. This is taking public health issues on the side. I'm putting that to the side because everyone has a different safety uh, risk tolerance profile. And so I'm just going to put a pin on that and just talk specifically about the programs. So, I mean, I understand the economic, the economic logic behind it, which is if we kind of transition off of the CERB and we put more into the wage subsidy, then that's the incentive for the businesses to actually open. Because if 75% of their payroll is covered by the government, then, and if their rent is also being covered, then they can actually hire people back and we can do something. So as an employer myself, that would be something that if, if I would be happy to take advantage of if we were in the situation where we, where we needed to. And I think that that's, I would be looking forward to being able to pay my employees again. So I understand it. And I think that that's actually a good move. The public health issues aside, I think that I understand the programs and I think that it is the way that we, the way forward so that we can actually maybe start to recover. And I also, to echo what you said, I've been really impressed with the programs too. I know that there's lots to be said. There are, there are people that fell through the cracks, specifically the sole proprietors at the beginning um, with the, uh, the CERB and stuff like that. I, and I know that they the commercial rent there, it was very slow, but I think that, you know, this was an unprecedented, uh, rapidly evolving situation. And I have been on the front lines talking to clients every day since the start of the pandemic. And the programs really 
saved a lot of people's financial butts. And I was really happy that our government showed up to do that for us so we could stay home and flatten the curve, right? Um, so I was mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. impressed with how fast and furious it came online. And um, and I'm really happy with the way that it's worked out. And I do think that we'll have a stronger recovery on the other end of it because of it. And, you know, we talked about this last week, Bo, how Canada was the strongest financially going into the G7. We had the lowest debt to GDP ratio. We compared ourselves to the states, uh, Canada being before the pandemic, 34% and uh, the states being a hundred over a hundred percent. So of their entire GDP, if they were to take that in all that money and pay their debt down, it's they still have something left over. So that's something to be said that going in, you know, a country like the United States had three times more debt than we did. So we had room and these programs as expensive as they are, they still don't push us into insolvency. They don't put us in a situation where the country is going to go bankrupt. No. Did any of us, I didn't take CERB, but did, did any of us have to use CERB or? No. My, just my parents. Yeah. Because uh, my parents run a bed and breakfast in uh, in Stratford and they the festival closed. Right. right. So <laughs> you're not going to open it up for a couple of people who are yeah, deciding to come. Oh, just um, come to visit. So they mm-hmm. decided to shut the season down. It, it, I mean, they had to. And they're, and my dad's turning 80 next year. So mm-hmm. that, it's not like <laughs> it's a, a, be- a great place uh, for them to be a position. So, yeah, they took the CERB because they were planning on having income. It's actually probably a perfect example of those who were going to rely on uh, that income to subsidize their life. I did a I did a thing to this week with the University of Toronto with the Monk School and uh, one of the I don't remember their exact title but he was saying that this is a baby pandemic the big one is still to come the big one that's going to really really um, the more contagious virus the uh, the the more deadly virus I, I was like wow that is uh, because this is the problem right like not not to get too far off personal finance is that. Yes, we're waiting for a vaccine and we are going to eventually get one, but we're not dealing with the actual par- problem of, of uh, you know, farm farming, agriculture, the way that we are raising the food that we eat. Uh, we're not dealing with the actual core issue. And, you know, a lot of people are blaming different parts of the world for this virus. But the fact is, is that viruses can still be born in any chicken farm in anywhere in the world, right? Or any pig yeah. farm anywhere in the world. And we're not really... We're not doing we're not sending the message out. Eat more grains and plant based foods. That's going to help you better than I'm trying to do that. And trying to, that's why I was saying to Bo, I was in my garden right before we got here. So I'm trying to eat more vegetables. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and everyone's sort of, you know, the baking bread phenomenon. The uh, this, so the, is it going to be the big one that's going to have to just really kick us in the butt? I think this is I think that we a lot of people need to now make decisions when it comes to their money about how they would manage if there was another pandemic. So, you know, a lot of a lot of young people living in condos are thinking maybe we don't want to be in a place where we have to take an elevator and be with other people to leave with our leave our house. Uh, See, right now we're just thinking about immediate effects. We lost our jobs. We're trying to get the money to just pay for everyday things. But the real story is going to come a year from now, 18 months from now, when, you know, people can no longer afford their homes or they've got into so much debt during the pandemic that they have to make some really tough decisions about their, about their economic uh, futures. Yeah, I agree that like, um, this was a bit of a stress test to begin with. And I think that, I think, how we all recover on the other side of this, the collective financial trauma as well as emotional trauma. And if we have another lockdown or if there's another 
another pandemic soon or something, I think people will be more prepared this time than they maybe would have been before because I don't think anyone saw anything this catastrophic coming. I think the multiple sources of income uh, is something that people are really uh, working on. I've had clients, because uh, they have no choice, because they have to uh, survive, they've pivoted. They've uh, yeah pivoted from uh, being a bartender to a garbage collector because that's mm-hmm. what's in demand, right? So that's what's happening. That's The people are going to be more ready for that kind of thing, maybe to switch. Yeah, I think to. that's a good point. So this week, uh, the Bank of Canada, the brand new Bank of Canada Governor Tim Macklem. Is it Macklem? Am I pronouncing his name right? Oh, we were wondering whether that was so. correct. Like yeah. Macklemore. Yeah, like Macklemore, Tim Macklem, he made his first uh, interest rate announcement. No surprise, held rates at you know record low, zero point two five percent. Shannon, what does that do for your clients when they hear money's going to stay cheap for a while? Does that give them um, confidence that they can pay their debt off, or does that make them feel like ah, I can keep spending? It's not going to cost me all it that much. It completely depends <laughs> on their income. So I have, I have found that people who are working in tech or extremely remote friendly jobs. Are, are not even, um, they're not having the same conversations because they're not worried about the income tap turning off because maybe their business is thriving during this type of pandemic. Like it, it's totally fine. So someone who has a real going concern like that and is not, is not worried about um, if this lockdown happens again, all that stuff, cheap money means let's renovate. Cheap money means like, let's refinance my mortgage, all of that kind of stuff. Um, for anybody who lost their job, it is a relief that if there is debt that they're taking on, at least that they're they're not going to, you know, plunge into credit card debt necessarily. They may be able to use a cheaper line of credit or pay off credit cards with something that's less. So there is relief and there uh, it makes them feel safer and secure. But I don't find that it's an excuse to spend money. So what I would say is, if someone who's looking at this from the from the place of well, my life is really hasn't changed at all, and I don't see it changing down the future, would be taking advantage of a refinance and maybe they're doing a renovation or something like that in their home. And um, in in his uh, speech after the new Bank of Canada governor was really playing down these debt bubble fear, fears. So exactly what you're speaking to, you know, do people look at this as an opportunity to continue to get into debt or, wow, I can, if I start putting lump sum payments down, my debt's really going to start coming down or the third the third situation where if I need to get into debt, at least it's not going to take me as long to pay it off because the interest rate is low. But with low interest rates comes inflation, other issues that, you know, make life more expensive. So it's not just about how much interest you pay on your debt, but how much you pay for everyday items if that cost is going up as well. So I always say don't always cheer on the low interest rates because they don't, they're not all good. Uh, they're only really good for first-time home buyers who are trying to get into that house um, and make get their their monthly payments down. For all other reasons, you know, we want interest rates to be closer uh, to to two percent, really, um, uh, in order for us to feel like we're living in a normal economic environment. So it looks like uh, we're gonna let Shannon yeah. go, right? right? Yeah, I think I think she's having. I think she's uh, as as I say to my mom's uh, mom friends when I had little babies. We'd be like, we've hit a wall. We need to all go home. I am not. I am not willing to wait. So uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Thank you so so much for having me and for your thanks for making yeah, the time, Shannon. Thanks for having me coming it. on. All right, have a great day.
So big thank you to Shannon Lee Simmons, our uh, guest today on the Dear Ruby Show. First guest ever, Bo. I'm really excited. Um, so if yeah. people want to find Shannon, she is the founder of New School of Finance. You can go to her website, shannonleesimmons.com. She is also the author of two uh, really good books, Worry-Free Money and Living Debt-Free. So anyone who wants to get some information on how they can just get more financially literate, Pick up those books, have a read, and uh, Shannon's got some great advice in there. And if you want one-on-one advice, you can also go to her website, the New School of Finance. They offer advice-only financial planning. Uh, their fees are very upfront. There's no uh, there's no guessing as to how much that advice is co- costing you. And that's the kind of advice that I personally promote. I don't really think that going to someone who takes a percentage of the money that you're asking them to manage, although they don't manage money, they more uh, give financial planning advice. Uh, right. But definitely the, the fees are something that they they have up front. And so you know whether you can afford that advice or not. Yeah, unbiased financial advice is, is something that uh, Shannon and her team uh, provide. And I, uh, I did a whole, uh, how long is this one? Uh, probably hour long episode um, in back in 2018 on my show, episode 28. So I'll put a link to that if you want uh, Shannon's backstory. And, mm-hmm. and while we're at it, go to episode 68 and learn about Rubina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, then go to episode 76 and learn about me. Yeah. Or, um, and you can also go back and li- listen to one that we did just recently, a couple of weeks yeah, ago. That's right. And the, the, the talk about Rubina was the, uh, was the guest of that one too, but that's more about COVID. Uh, but mm-hmm. the full long story for both Shannon and Rubina are, are back in the archives of, uh, of my personal finance show. Were we continuing to talk about the debt bubble, Rubina? Yeah, no, I think that we covered it. I really liked the fact that Shannon was able to weigh in just on how it, it matters to people on the ground, because that's who she's talking to. She's talking to real people who have real financial uh, problems that they need solved. That's why they come to the new school of finance uh, to get advice as to, to improve their financial situation. And so, you know, we can talk about these stories uh, from a high level. I know that you speak with clients as well, but me as a journalist, I don't get Get that one-on-one time uh, with people who are actually needing uh, financial advice that they're actually going to go and then put into action. So it was really great to be able to speak to her and see, how, you know, what it's like. You know, uh, parenting in this pandemic has been uh, one of the hardest things from my point of view. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't felt I have, you know, I've started doing things like meditating, which I never thought I would do because I feel like I need some outlet to get rid of my anxiety and stress about how I'm going to get everything done in a day. Have you picked up any any um, sort of new habits during this pandemic to sort of help you through this time? Well, I, I came into it with all, all of the habits because of my uh, uh, gambling addiction recovery. All right. I had lots of behavioral therapy in that. And, and, and then one the final piece for me was uh, starting transcendental meditation, which I do twice a day, 20 minutes twice a day. So uh, in this case, uh, it's usually... Uh, right before he wakes up or right after my wife wakes up is I do my 20 minutes. Um, if I can get up before he does, then I'm good. Um, and then uh, usually after he goes to bed or, you know, maybe in the afternoon if I have time. But uh, usually I have uh, clients at work or, or something else. Uh, so uh, TM, uh, as I call it, Transcendental Meditation, uh, it's just really kind of uh, helped me a lot uh, ground my life. And uh, just being mindful about a lot of things as well. You know, that, hey, there's a lot going on today or, uh, we, you know, we're trying to do a podcast. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. If I had to leave you halfway through to uh, and to finish it up yourself, you, you could do it. And we knew, uh, the, you know, just kind of setting expectations, I think, as Shannon was talking about, too. Right. It's like everybody is feeling a little more relaxed about uh, this because they know that everyone's trying to do what they can. So if you haven't hold a baby to do a half an hour meeting, that's how it is. Usually it's an emergency. 
Um, and I'm sure if it came down to it where I had to have the baby with me uh, to do a few things, people would understand too. Uh, we'll just try to do our best to work around it instead. It's all it's all we can do. Um, Shannon just texted me. She said, so sorry. Hope it was okay and not too unprofessional. Oh, my gosh, no. Shannon. It was perfect. It was not perfect. unprofessional. And it completely uh, shows us what it means uh, to be working during this pandemic. So I think we've come to the end of Dear Ruby today. Yeah. Uh, it's been an amazing conversation. I think that we should try to continue to bring guests on answer any questions today so i apologize for for anyone who sent questions in we will get to them next week but as the pandemic continues dear ruby will be bringing you weekly episodes to tell you about um, all the different federal programs provincial programs anything that could benefit your pocketbook and all the different ways that canadians are managing during this time when it comes to their money uh bo i'm gonna let you go so that you can rolling around a little bit uh, but he's still sleeping I hope you get a few minutes. I, I always find that if I finish work, I just need a couple of minutes to sort of decompress and then I can start on the rest of my day. Because normally I would go and edit this, right? Uh, and, and then publish it. But I feel like I'm just going to try to take whatever time I can to myself and then yes. I'll I'll publish this later this evening uh, for today uh, whenever my wife gets home from the hospital. Because uh, that, that just, that's just what makes sense. we got to kind of uh, look at our sanity a little bit too, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, it's already been published. So it doesn't matter whether we publish it right now or later <laughs> this afternoon. When you're listening to it, all of that has already happened. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, Bo, thanks so much, as always, for your time. And uh, thanks for dealing with a little bit of a bumpiness uh, in the beginning there. And I hope you have a great week. And I can't wait to speak to you again on the Dear Ruby podcast. See you next week. Yeah. Yeah.